To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. It's Tuesday, February 28th. Before it filed for bankruptcy last summer, crypto lender Celsius had a devoted following among retail investors. These investors believed in the repeated affirmations from Celsius's charismatic CEO, Alex Mashinsky. Mashinsky would say that these investors were making smart, low-risk financial decisions by trusting their digital tokens to the company. But the reality of what was happening behind the scenes, according to a recent report from an independence examiner, sounds like it was very different. According to the allegations in that report, the risk controls at Celsius were much less thorough and much less sophisticated than what they were telling their customers at the time. That report clocks in at 689 pages, so there's a lot in there. But fundamentally, it alleges that Celsius misrepresented the true financial health of the company, in ways that turned out to have devastating consequences for those customers who trusted them. Bloomberg's Olga Karif has read many hundreds of those pages, and she joins me now with the details. Olga, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Today, we are not going to talk about FTX. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big change. It's huge. I know it's, it's a surprise. But we are going to talk about a company that I think in a lot of ways is equally important to understanding what's been happening in crypto. And that company is Celsius. I, and again, reminding all our listeners, this is a theoretical example. I do not personally own a bunch of crypto. I do not own any crypto. But if I did own a bunch of crypto, I could have gone to Celsius with, say, $10,000 worth of Bitcoin, for example, and then said, okay, Celsius, I'm going to let you take this money and lend it out to other people and you will pay me some kind of really high interest rate in return. Is that correct? That's exactly right. And, you know, for for years, Alex Mashinsky, CEO of Celsius, he basically uh, said that, you know, if you put your money in a bank, you are basically going to get this tiny little interest, if any. But, you know, it's a smart financial move for you to come to Celsius and actually earn a much higher yield uh, with, you know, he said, low risk. If I wanted to borrow money from Celsius, what would I do? So you would come to Celsius and it depended on on who you were, basically. Sometimes people had to put up collateral Mm -hmm. to borrow from Celsius But sometimes, as we found out more recently, uh, they didn't have to put up collateral or not as much collateral as, 
you know, some customers who kept their funds on Celsius thought uh, they needed to put up. And so <laughs> that brings us to this examiner report that uh, came out in, in January that uh, sort of uncovered that there were a lot of discrepancies in uh, in between institutional, for instance, and retail borrowers at Celsius. So when we talk about collateral, because I think this is a really important point and, you know, it, it gets to the heart of, as you say, this report that was published just recently. When you talk about collateral in a traditional loan context, it's like, if I want to borrow money to buy a house, I have to pledge some kind of asset in return. That might be a down payment. That might be some other asset that I have. But if I were very wealthy and I owned, say, you know, millions and millions of dollars worth of shares, I could pledge those shares as collateral if I wanted to borrow money to do something else like build a spaceship or whatever it is that really wealthy people do with their billions of dollars. But the idea is that in the case that I didn't pay my loan back, the bank or the person who lent me money would have a way to at least cover the losses. Is that roughly how that works? Absolutely. And it worked very differently on Celsius. Let me give you one example. So for instance, FTX, the exchange that went bankrupt last November, would borrow coins from Celsius and it would put up its own FTT token, which FTX issued as collateral. Now we know because FTX collapsed in November that, you know, the value of TT tokens was very questionable. Mm -hmm. And actually people inside of Celsius knew that as well, that it was questionable and probably, you know, should not be accepted as collateral, but it was still accepted as collateral. So mm -hmm. those are the type of transactions that Celsius had facilitated. When I was reading the examiner report, like one of the things that really jumped out to me was this idea that this wasn't something that happened recently. It's not that these standards only eroded in 2021 or 2022 before they filed for bankruptcy. It sounded like there had been a real pattern of having less than robust risk management for a much longer time. Absolutely. So uh, Mashinsky and his co-founder, they came up with the idea for Celsius in 2017 and, and uh this company was, uh, the service was launched in 2018. And actually some risk control policies, well, they were not even imposed. They were just, there was a, I think a more of a pretense of imposing uh, risk controls, but that only started in 2021, according to the examiner report. And so one thing that the examiner highlighted throughout this, uh, you know, almost 700 page report is that this company, they had trouble with accounting. They had trouble with paying taxes. They had trouble with risk controls. I mean, they used QuickBooks and Google spreadsheets to keep track of the coins that were, you know, lent and borrowed. And obviously QuickBooks is for small to mid-sized businesses. And or FTX, depending, <laughs> you know. Right. Everyone's using exactly. QuickBooks and crypto, apparently. Exactly. And the examiner couldn't even find uh, a lot of the older uh, record keeping. It does not exist, apparently. And the risk control policies, you know, when, when internal people were suggesting some of this risk control measures, which are pretty standard, that were not implemented, a lot of them were sort of 
not implemented even after the suggestions have been made and and issues have been raised. You know, Alex Mashinsky, according to the examiner's report, was very focused on pretty much just uh, growing the user base of Celsius and not on anything else. How does that contrast with what Mashinsky was telling customers at the time? So at the time, and actually, you know, up until Celsius froze uh, withdrawals on on June 12th of last year, essentially, Mashinsky was telling everybody, we have enough funds, we we have all the funds, uh, we need to reimburse everybody, you know, everything is fine. And for actually several months before then, things, actually for many months before then, things were not fine. Celsius was recording massive losses. It was spending customer and investor money to prop up its own sell token. And when things went south last May, when the Terra blockchain collapsed, this was sort of just the last nail in the coffin. But Celsius filed for bankruptcy with a hole in its balance sheet of more than a billion dollars. But, you know, a lot of this hole actually happened way earlier than May. Everything that could have gone wrong with this business pretty much did. You know, they borrowed money from a lender and then the lender refused to give them their collateral back, for example. Or they entrusted their, uh, you know, thousands of Ether to somebody who lost access to that ether. Uh, you know, all kinds of strange things happened in this business. And I think partially this goes back to what you said, you know, uh, the lack of risk controls and the business wasn't managed well. Now, Olga, you've been a reporter for a long time. I feel like you've heard people say this before. But yeah, this time for sure, we're going to pay attention to the fundamentals We're not going to just try to chase after the thing that everybody's chasing at. We're not going to overpay for deals. We're going to be really thoughtful and deliberate and really care about risk. And then like three years later, everything blows up again. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we saw this with initial coin offerings where VCs were front and center in a lot of them, you know, and made a lot of money on ICOs before that whole space sort of collapsed uh, because of enforcement and regulation. And actually, many VCs ended up just escaping with the money they made. And a lot of the uh, retail users ended up losing all of of their money and getting hurt. And I think that's what happened last year, um, again, with the the collapse of a lot of this crypto lenders where, you know, just regular, a lot of regular people lost everything they had. Uh, so I, I totally agree with you that I think it's just memories are short. Up next, more from Bloomberg reporter Olga Karif on why Celsius matters in the crypto ecosystem. We'll be right back. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. 
It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. I want to go back to something else, this idea of Celsius knew or believed that they owned customer tokens, even while they were saying to customers, no, 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 these are always going to be your assets. Why has this become important in the bankruptcy fight? During sort of YouTube uh, videos and all kinds of weekly, um, you know, talks that Mashinsky did uh, with users, uh, he very frequently said that the SIO tokens, uh, you know, we don't own own them, uh, you or the users own them. But many users, turns out, uh, hadn't read Celsius's terms of service, at least in the state that they were in, in the last couple of years. And by the way, this terms of service, there were so many versions of those, uh, it actually was <laughs> part of the uh, a big part of the proceedings initially, you know, just trying to find all these different versions of terms of service. But in the terms of service, it specifically stated that um, the users' uh, tokens, if they sit in certain of the more popular Celsius accounts uh, called EARN, in this scenario, Celsius basically owns the tokens. And when Celsius went bankrupt, what, what that meant is that all of the users whose funds were in this earn accounts, they became unsecured creditors. And obviously, and the judge actually ruled that the tokens do belong to Celsius, the company versus the users. And so that essentially <laughs> dramatically reduced uh, the amount of recovery available to those users. Right, because unsecured creditors, which is, you know, just like jargon for you're very low down in the repayment order. <laughs> like if, if there's enough assets after we've paid everybody else in this long list above you, great. But otherwise, you're probably not going to get very much if you get anything at all. Now, most people do not read terms of service. Very true. You sign up for something, you open a bank account, you download a random app onto your phone from an app store, 
And there's like, yeah, 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 I've totally read the terms of service. Tick this box, move on happily. Most people do not read the terms of service. Do you think people are going to start paying more attention to these kinds of things because of these collapses, because of how many folks have lost money as a result of them? You know, after reading the examiner's report, I might be more <laughs> inclined to read terms of service. Uh, but, you know, realistically, we are so busy with our lives, right, with everything we do. I mean, who has the time to read, you know, the tens or hundreds of pages in there? And plus, they're not lawyers. We, you know, not everybody can understand the legalese that's in the terms of service. And I think it's a real problem because... You know, I imagine that if a CEO of a company during a YouTube video tells you that this is how things are, you know, most people will will trust what this person will say and sign up for the service, imagining that this is what they're going to get in the end. And, but that's certainly not the case, as uh, Celsius showed us. And this is exactly why... Various regulators around the world are starting to emphasize this idea of should there be better consumer protections for people who are investing in crypto? Because the assumption that companies are doing appropriate risk management or even that customers are doing appropriate personal risk management is turning out not to be founded on reality in some of these cases. Absolutely. I mean, over the last year, so many companies went bankrupt and so many hundreds of thousands of users lost money uh, here in the U.S. because of this. I think this left basically a lot of the regulators here with, uh, you know, essentially a black eye. You know, where were they when all of this stuff was happening? Now, I started this episode by saying that we're not going to talk about FTX and people would be like, oh, why? FTX is so interesting. What should people understand about these other companies in the crypto ecosystem, companies like Celsius, and why they are and continue to be important in order to like really get a sense of how this overall marketplace operates? You know, like any other market, crypto, I think, thrives on, on essentially leverage. Uh, you know, a lot of people entered this market via leverage where they would, you know, put some money down on a crypto exchange and make bets with, you know, much, a much larger amount of money. If they lose their bet, their sort of collateral, if you will, will evaporate. So a lot of people have been doing this in crypto for a while, uh, for a number of years. And what this crypto lenders allowed people to do is to even do more complex sort of borrowing and lending strategies and allowed more people to, you know, access to leverage. And, you know, while uh, I would say most, most of these crypto lenders went bankrupt last year, not all of them, um, the fact of the matter remains that I think people will find other ways to gain leverage in this market as they have in others as well. And, you know, I think it just uh, behooves regulators to stay on top of this. Well, on that cheery note, thank you very much, Olga. It's always <laughs> a pleasure to have you on the show. It was my pleasure. I so appreciate you having me on. That was Bloomberg reporter Olga Karif. You can find more of her reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal. 
and on Bloomberg.com. And if you're interested in all things bankruptcy, because come on, we talk about it a lot on this show, you should check out a new newsletter from our colleagues. It's called The Brink. It's as exciting as it sounds. You can find it on Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Bariro. Our associate producers are Ty Butler and Moses Undam. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.